What's happening, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Dear White Teacher. I'm your host, Brandon R. Scarborough, here tonight with my good friend, Willie Cook. I'm going to let him introduce himself, and we'll jump right into the conversation after he tells you about who he is. What's up, man? What's going on, B? Man, nothing much. You doing all right? Yeah, man, I can't complain not one bit. It's good, it's good. Getting through this Ohio weather. It looked like we at the end of uh, yeah. the season. Hopefully, yeah. this, I think this might be uh, fake spring. Yeah, right. The first fake spring. We got another spring coming. So. Right, right, right. Man, get a, get the people a, a snapshot of who you are, what you do. Okay. So my name is Willie Cook. I'm currently the assistant principal at Copley High School. Uh, prior to that, I worked as leader of campus support at ECOC in Akron, Ohio. And then prior to that, I worked at uh, Kenton McKinley High School as dean of students. I found my way into education through a program called the Bright Fellowship at The Ohio State University. Prior to that, I had a career in construction, uh, worked for Turner Construction and a couple other um, larger name construction companies after I graduated college uh, with a degree in construction engineering technology. So, man, I just learned about five different things about you that I ain't know <laughs> until right now. Yeah, I've had an interesting uh, pathway yeah. to this seat today. Cool. So a degree in construction, what's that? So uh, construction engineering technology is essentially like a technical degree. Um, you can liken it to a mechanical engineer or okay. a civil engineer. Okay. Uh, but it's got some elements of, you know, a little bit of mechanical, a little bit of civil, a little bit of electrical engineering all into one. Um, it's more like applied science rather than theoretical. Okay. So then I, I'm, I'm gonna take this somewhere and I wanna make sure I remember everything though. Mm. So how did you end up out of construction and into education? That's a good question. All right. That's a good question. So uh, first of all, you know, one of the reasons that I got into education, I'm gonna kind of answer the question this okay. way. Um, like many, many of our youth in high school, uh, I thought my pathway was going to be on the football field. So mm. I played football at Copley High School. Uh, go Indians. Uh, we were, you know. 1040. Oh, no, go Indians. <laughs> because in, in, in 2001, y'all really wanted to play us? We uh, really wanted to see y'all. This comes up every episode. So, but here's the deal. Know. No, 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 no. So y'all were tough, but we were tough too. I mean, we, we, we was legit out there, right? We, yeah. was putting, we was putting some folks down on the field. Yeah. But, you know, we were uh, Final Four uh, my senior year, the year before that, we were undefeated all the way up until the regional final okay. in which we played. Uh, you know, I remember Justin Zwick was at Orville mm. prior to going to Maslin, so we, you know, ran a follow him. But um, that was that was my lane. I thought it was going to be my lane. And I played guard, anything on the offensive line, really. And so when I went to college, it didn't work out as well for me as I thought it was going to. That doesn't mean I was sorry. Mm-hmm. I was a beast on the field. But... Uh, it just didn't work like, out. Let me throw that in there real fast. I had, I had like, let me there. let you know. I got to throw it in there. Yeah. We black men. We got to throw that in there. You I understand. Be, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know, I, yeah. But, you know, it didn't work out for me as much as I, as I thought it was going to. Um, I actually worked third shift a, as a walk-on athlete. So I had a scholarship to Malone, left Malone, went to Akron U, was a preferred walk-on there, um, was working on uh, earning a scholarship as a walk-on. And, you know, coaching staff then got fired, mm-hmm. you know, so it was, it, was a, it was a rough transition. But um, to feed myself during that time, I actually worked third shift at the post office. So wow. there was a remote encoding center over there um, on Exeter Road where the old blimp hangar is. Mm-hmm. And I worked, you know, um, 11 to 7. Wow. And slept a couple hours in my car, um, went to class, went to workouts, went to practice and just did it all over again trying mm-hmm. to earn that and you know and it, it never really panned out for me so for a couple of years there i was a little bit depressed about my path in life and i was confused um i work call centers i work warehouses i did a lot of different things to try to get back and i found my way back into into you know education um and earning my my bachelor's um it was hard it was difficult you know a lot of other people have much tougher paths than i did mm-hmm. but that was my heart and I've learned in my journey to not wish someone else's journeys and hardships because I have enough to satisfy my own situation. Mm-hmm. But I worked as a, I worked at a steel mill as an under under uh, or as a non-traditional student. 
Um, I worked in other, you know, warehouses and factories and things of that sort, trying to get there, third shift, you know, going, getting off work and then going straight to calc class. I had to start all the way over. Wow. From literally this, I mean, you got to think this is like eight, nine years after I graduated high school, basic math in college. And I worked my way all the way up to Calc 2. Um, and I earned that degree. And then I went to work for one of the largest construction companies in the world as a project engineer and safety manager and then also uh, estimator um, at Turner Construction. So Hilton Cleveland downtown, that's right outside the Brown Stadium, the big mm -hmm. glass building. I was on that project. I was on the $35 million uh, project um, to beautify the Maltz Performing Arts Center for Case Western Reserve. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of other you know big name projects that I worked on. So you didn't get a degree until eight, nine years after high school, mm -hmm. and that was in construction? Yeah. So then fast forward, how did we get from construction to the Bright Fellowship? So, um, and it's interesting that we're talking about the, 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 the title of the, the podcast is Hello White Teacher. Dear White Teacher. Dear White Teacher, when we're, I was experiencing some similar things that some people would say that, you know, students would experience in predominantly white schools in corporate America. Talk about it. Oh, it was a lot, man. It was, so I was there during the Trump, his run for presidency. Okay. And so I would come to work and there would be Trump signs on my computer, on my, you know, my screen, computer screen, in the bathroom, in the stalls, you know, some of the guys and the laborers, you know, uh, from a different trades and things of that sort out in the, um, on the job, you know, saying kind of crazy stuff, things of that sort, you know, yeah, your guy's out of here soon. Mm -hmm. And it was a, it was a, wow. it was a situation where I'm not supposed to hold that position. Mm -hmm. I'm not supposed to be wearing a white hat. Mm -hmm. I should be, my hands, you know, you know, I should have, you know, some, some boots on, getting dirty, yeah. doing whatever, you know, that kind of thing, which there's nothing wrong with that. Some of the most intelligent people I've ever met were people that I met when I worked at the mm -hmm. steel mill. Yeah. You know, they, they do things with, you know, with tools and, and, and their understanding of science and, and mechanics that, you know, I can only dream of. And I learned a lot there. But some of those guys kind of felt I shouldn't be holding that spot. Mm. Um, and I experienced a lot of different things, you know, um, all in all the Turner experience was awesome, but there were some things that, you know, left to be desired and I just didn't, it wasn't clicking with me. Mm -hmm. It wasn't clicking with me. It wasn't part of who I was and it wasn't personal. And so when I saw the Bright Fellowship, um, marketing, I kind of looked at it and I was like, huh, that's interesting because I got a background in coaching. I comes for St. V, that comes for Copley High School, um, freshman all the way up to varsity. And I've always been involved in mentoring of some kind. Mm -hmm. So that was, I was a Choose Ohio first mentor. I was a college now, um, a Greater Cleveland mentor. Mm -hmm. um, uh, now a Buckeye uh, Scholars mentor for the Ohio State University. Um, it's mostly virtual. And so I've always had these roles where I'm helping to pick someone else up mm -hmm. because I understand where they where they are. Yeah. And that was the reason why I went in education. So I applied for the Bright Fellowship. I prepared myself, interviewed some folks, understood what it meant to be an administrator, and I went down and applied. It was intense. It was a three day um, it was a three day application event. And so they interviewed two thousand people. Mm and over two cohorts, cohorts, excuse me, and I was one of 60. And they just recently opened up our applications for the next cohort at Ohio State. And so then from there, I was uh, a administrative intern at Kent McKinley High School. Mm. And then uh, after that administrative year, and I graduated with my MBA, which is what the program um, allows for. So it's an MBA with a focus in educational leadership. Okay. So it's a joint effort between uh, the College of Human Ecology at New Ohio State University and uh, the Fisher College of Business. Gotcha. And so we had some of the best and brightest professors there teaching us how to lead. And it wasn't just for any school, it was for high need schools. And mm -hmm. the premise is they pay for the degree, which is $150,000 MBA. Mm. Um, all books and everything included. So it was a concierge program and it was an accelerated 
um, but you needed to work in a uh, urban environment, high need school for at least three years. Okay. And so I worked at McKinley High School, the students there, the, the year after I graduated, um, they were going through some things um, financially with the change of leadership mm -hmm. in that district. And then I was over at Akron Public at ECOC uh, as leader campus support, which is a pseudo um, administrative position. And then I was ready to move up into um, that assistant principal role to kind of sort of progress. And uh, I, there was an opportunity at home and, mm -hmm. you know, they kind of called and said, hey, you know, we got a role here. What do you think? And I applied and that's kind of how it happened. So were you still doing construction while you were in, in the Bright Fellowship? For the first year, for the first, you know, like couple, six months, seven months of the program where I was basically going down, you know, like once a, a week or once a month for like a couple of days, like on a weekend. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was. But then um, summer of 2017, I believe, um, I cut I cut myself out of uh, my employment with Turner Construction okay. and went down to Ohio State fully. And then I started to be enrolled and, and immersed in education at McKinley High School. What was what was the when you saw the bright fellowship opportunity coming? Like, what was the feeling like? I need to do this. Like, what what was the, the calling or the the push to? I mean, that's a heck of a career jump, mm -hmm. you know. But what was what was the motivation for that? The motivation is always going to be for me to help make someone else's path to education easier mm -hmm. than mine was. That's dope. Because I literally bled to get, just to get that undergraduate degree. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I'm not saying that I had the most difficult path. I was a part of a great program at the University of Akron called the Choose Ohio First program. Shout out to Adam Smith, uh, who was the original founding director of that program. Mm -hmm. um, and as I said, where I went, met my wife too. Cause she was in that program as well. Right. Um, everything happens for a reason. Everything, you know, everything <laughs> happens for a reason. But, you know, um, I would not be here, I would not be who I am without that program, without Adam Smith. And he did for me what I'm trying to do for other kids. Mm -hmm. And so as a result, every place that I go, I'm always on the hunt trying to get another kid an opportunity at a merit-based scholarship, another opportunity to lift themselves out of where they are to better themselves. So mm -hmm. at East, at McKinley, and then now at Copley, I've always built a bridge for mm -hmm. kids to get into this program because yeah. it's such an amazing program. And the people that run it are awesome. My wife is still, she worked for the program now actually. Oh really? So, okay. you know, uh, I, got a, I, got a, I got some guys that are in the program now from McKinley that are still in it and that are getting ready to graduate. Sweet. And I just talked to one of them the other day and he texted me and I don't talk to him as much as I'd like to, but he said, listen, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. Mm. And, you know, I told him, I said, you are, you're the sum of the choices that you made. You made great choices in high school. He was a 3.8 student in McKinley High School. Mm. He's a football player. He's an athlete. And, you know, he was going to take communications, which is nothing wrong with communications. There's nothing wrong. I was about to say, man, my first degree in communication. There's nothing wrong with it. But I'm like, I, I don't know why you. I got it, but no, I got I, it. I told him, I said, <laughs> okay, tell me what you're going to do with communications. Yeah. And we had that conversation. Yeah. You're going to work, you're going to work in radio. You're going to work in TV. Mm -hmm. You're going to work in broadcasting. What are you going to do? Mm -hmm. And I said, or I could put you on a different path. It's going to be a little tougher. It's going to be a little harder. But it's definitely going to be worth it because there's not a lot of people that look like you in that field, and that was engineering. Mm -hmm. So he's studying electrical engineering right now. He's going to graduate this semester. Um, it ex it's exposed me to a lot of different people yeah. and a lot of great opportunities. I wish somebody would have had that conversation with me because I didn't want to go to college. But I, mm -hmm. my parents were like, yeah. you get a job or you go to college. Yeah. And so I literally, when it was time for me to pick my major, I said, I'm going to open this book up because this is 1998. You know, mm -hmm. we we not online like we are now and none of that. So I, I had the real book in my hand and I said, wherever this book opens up, when I open it, that's going to be my major. So I got a degree in mass, mass media communications. It, it was cool, but I guess I guess I'm using it right now. We communicate. You have to know exactly what you want to do with yeah. any degree that you that you, you pursue. Yeah. And that's hard. And it's a whole nother conversation. That's hard to do at 18 yes, years old. Yes, that, and that's the huge thing. So I, you know, a lot of kids that I talk to now, and I'm like, you know, hey, um, 
you might change your mind. You're going. I changed to, my major yeah. three times. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna happen, and it, and it, I think you know. One of the things we had to fix about our society is we expect 18-year-old kids to know exactly what they're going to do with the rest of their it's life. It's impossible, man. They don't know what they're going to do tomorrow night. At all. At so, all. so it, it's, I was in my thirties not knowing what I'm going to do tomorrow. You know. Me too. So, you me, know, too. Yeah, me too. Yeah. That whole premise of you grown at 18, man. That's that's especially in our community, man. That that's a yeah. It drives it's, me nuts. It's something that we really need to fix and think about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you graduated from Copley High, now you're back at Copley High. So let's talk about your position there. Mm -hmm. And then describe for the people that, so it's easy for us to talk because we from Akron. Right. And the expectation is for people that are in California to hear this and listen to this and see this. Copley is a, you want to call it a suburb of Akron? It's a suburban school. It's okay. a suburb. Um, it's a decently affluent area. Mm -hmm. Um, majority white, but it is one of the most diverse schools in this area. Okay. And a lot of people um, don't realize what I mean when I say diversity. People usually think when I say diversity, I mean there's there's white kids and black kids. Mm -hmm. No. There are Nepali kids. Mm -hmm. There are uh, Japanese, Korean, um, Hmong, Lao. Um, what else? There's Indians. Native Americans, there are um, Spaniards, folks from Chile, folks from Brazil. Wow. You know, every every part of the globe, Africans, Nigerians, uh, folks from Ghana, folks from Botswana. You know, it, it, it's, it really is. And, you know, I, I was asked this question at, at uh, the interview when they asked me, why do I want to come back here? And I said, because if I was to put the model UN in the school, the UN in the school, mm -hmm. there would be Copley High School. Yeah. And there's just everybody there from every walk of life, every socioeconomic status, every background you could think of, mm -hmm. you have it there. And it's really a beautiful place. Um, high performing school, uh, excellent academic standards, um, great, you know, athletics, the community really supports their kids. And, you know, that's where it's home for me. That's where I went to high school. And it was really, really the reason why it kind of, I think it sticks with me more heavily than anything else is because people don't notice I moved around a lot when I was, you know, younger. My mom okay. was a single mother until I was 13 years old. Um, uh, leaving a rough situation, you know, with my biological father, two years old, we moved all across the Midwest. So we lived, originally, I was originally born in Gary, Indiana. Mm -hmm. Uh, we got folks in Chicago, and that's where most of our my, my family base is. Erie, PA, Chicago, Gary, uh, Akron, Columbus, D.C., Alexandria. You know, we moved. Mm. She worked for the Postal Service, and it was just me and her. And she just kept getting promotions and just kept saying, hey, you want to go on another adventure? And I was like, sure, let's do it. And yeah. you know, we just traveled and just did different things and went different places. And sometimes it was four years, sometimes it was for two. But... We stayed here when I got in high school, mm -hmm. and that's probably why I feel the way I do about that school. And I just had amazing experience there. Yeah. So, say your position again. Assistant principal. Okay. So, you are the first black man to hold that position. If not the first, probably maybe the second, but I believe the first in that position. Yes. Yeah. So even, even if not the first, yeah. to be in that position yeah. in 2022, it's rare, very rare, in that area in that community. So to get that position, what was your initial goals to be in that building, knowing some of the things we know, like it's affluent, it's majority Caucasian, um, it's as diverse as you just described. What are some of your, what were, what are some of your, so let's go, before we get to the goals, what's some of your responsibilities in that? First of all, um, I, had, I actually said this to the superintendent of the district currently. We were having a conversation about a very, it was, it was a racially charged issue. It was early, you know, earlier in this year, and I won't expose too much about that mm -hmm. situation, but the district handled it right. Um, and I'd said, you know, me being in this role, I realized that I'm in this seat for this reason right now. Uh -huh. 
and I said the shoes are almost unfillable. And basically, I am the shoes. You know, anytime any black man or any black woman goes into a position, <laughs> even if that's not on their mind, the goal is to make sure that there can be another one after me mm. in, that, in that position. That's me. But, you know, um, I just want to give the kids at that school, regardless of who they are, the same experience that I had. Mm -hmm as much as possible. So I want this to be a place where they can come to school to learn. They love coming to school. They want to enjoy coming to school. They buy into the culture. They buy into, um, you know, what, what we believe Copley is and what Copley has been and what Copley can be. Um, and I, I believe that, you know, we're beginning, I'm, I'm doing that. I believe that I'm, you know, talking to a lot of kids and trying to understand a lot of kids. And today I had a conversation with a young man who, you know, he's been, he's in his fourth school in his junior year. Wow. So from, from freshman year to junior year, he's been in four different schools. And I'm like, you know, trying to figure him out and he's just very apathetic academically. And we, we had a conversation with mom today with him um, and a couple of his teachers. And, you know, I, I, everybody's talking about his grades and I'm like, well, let's, let's slow it down for a second. Let's talk about him. I'm not gonna say his name. Yeah. Let's talk about him. You know, we can't get to the grades until we know that the needs are met. You mm -hmm. know, Mass those hierarchy of needs. You know, mm -hmm. you gotta feel safe, you gotta feel fed, you have to feel rested and mm -hmm. you know, all those needs met and you know, so we went down the list and I just started asking him, Hey, do you feel safe in your environment? Yes. Do you feel like you have food? Yes. Do you have a roof over your head? Yes. And so we we started drilled down and figured out what the problem was and you know and the young man is, you know, African American and it's it's my job to be able to help have those conversations because I want to say all white folks, but some don't understand how to have the kind con the conversation with with black kids. They don't understand what we deal with. Uh -huh. We don't understand what could be ailing us. Uh -huh. um, you know, I heard a great comedian, and this comedian actually is a person that I know from working at one of the previous schools. I okay. want to vote, but. She said something the other night. I was at a comedy show, and she, we were the funny stop. Okay. And she said, you know, we're all the same. And she ended her show with this. She said, we're all the same. You know, black women and, you know, white women and black boys and or black men and, and white men, you know, we, we're the same. We just cry different. Mm. So, you know, not saying that, you know, a certain race cries in a certain way. Right. But, you know, white folks, you see, you know, you see white folks, they cry, mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're real tears and, you know, they're emotional and that kind of thing. But, you know, and, and you know, sometimes white men do too. I'm not saying that they don't respond another way, but, you know, you know, largely black boys cry different. Mm -hmm. We cuss, mm -hmm. we yell, we scream, we're ready to fight. We taught not to cry. We're taught not to cry. Mm -hmm. I was taught that too growing up. You know, yeah. you know, you, you, you got to be a man, you got to man up. And and I, and I had to, to say to some teachers, I'm like, you, you see that, you know, you see this aggression and you see him being upset. You see him being apathetic and you see him, you know, wanting to fight people and you see him upset with you and upset at the situation. But, you know, he's really not being aggressive. He's crying. Mm -hmm. We just cry different yeah. than what you've seen. Mm -hmm. And I think that clicked in their mind that, and say, oh, oh, okay. Wow, I never even considered that. And it's those conversations that I need to be there for. Yeah. So the title of this is Dear White Teacher. It's, it's catchy and I, I hope it doesn't scare people off. I hope it scares people enough to listen. Yeah. Um, but it's to have these kind of conversations mm -hmm. um, because white teachers are, are the majority across the nation, in any school, yeah. but even in urban schools. And so my thought is, if, if I'm going to help black kids, I can also help white teachers help black kids. And then everybody wins. Right. And so that's kind of the, the motivation for doing, for doing this show. So in like this conversation you had with this young man, are you, are you the only black administrator in the, in the school? in the high school? Yes. So what do you think, what would that, what, what would this 
intervention maybe look like if you had not been there? Because I'm getting to like the under, like you, like you were talking about understanding. We we cry different because mm -hmm. we got we got different things going on. Everybody got something going on. Right. Let's be clear. Yep. But we we have different things going on that everybody doesn't know to understand. Um, I'm gonna take you back a little bit into my experience at the high school. Okay. <clears throat> to answer that question, if you don't mind. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I was mostly, for the most part, a pretty good, you know, student going and, and or good kid. I wasn't a great student. Mm -hmm. Like I said, football was the pri football was a priority, right? <laughs> okay. So that's, I'm just going to keep it real. Yeah. That was a priority. So <clears throat> the only times I really got into trouble was when I would get into it with people. And usually, 90% of the time, it was because it was a there was a racial comment made to me. So I'm not going to say that Copley doesn't have situations like that. They've always had, mm -hmm. you know, that, that kind of situation. And, and I don't think that's unique to Copley. I think that's something that happens in any school that has any kind of diversity. Mm -hmm. Anytime you get people from different backgrounds and different ethnicities in one place, you're going to have a little bit of friction. Yes. And so I got into a situation where I got in a fight at school and I cracked this boy in the head because of something he said to me. It was racially charged. And... Um, they suspended me, rightly so. Um, and this is one of the cool parts about Copley, and it's kind of sort of, it, it's it's in support of the, the title of the podcast, mm -hmm. but um, I think, you know, the goal might be to elicit some, uh, some tooling up and some training for white, ed white administrators and white educators. Mm -hmm. But I had a great experience with my principal at that time. His name was Mr. Stephan. Shout out to Mr. Stephan. He was awesome. I was explaining this to him, and he was talking to my mom, and he's like, "You have." And she told him, "She's like, you have no understanding what he's dealing with as a black boy growing up in this neighborhood and mm -hmm. in this country." And so the greatest of Mr. Stephan was he went and sought out uh, a man that we you might know, Luke Marchman. He, he was a police uh, police officer. I heard the name. Copley. I don't know him. Um, great dude, mm -hmm. great dude. He actually started the diversion program at Copley okay. at a, for Copley PD, and also uh, I think Akron uh, PD adopted it to help kids avoid the system. Okay. Um, but he he reached out to Luke Marchman, and Luke was just our, he was our dare officer. Mm -hmm. He was he was just mm -hmm. that he was that cool guy, and he was always at the school. He was always at our games. We graduated. We'd see him. He, he knew our names. You yeah. know, he came up, gave us a hug. And he really broke it down for Mr. Stephan. And I really appreciated Mr. Stephan for reaching out to understand something that he didn't know instead of just brushing it away. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times I feel like that happens. Yeah. Now, with the person that this young man was working with, I don't believe that that would have happened. But I believe that that young man might not have opened up the way he did today. Yeah. Had someone that looked like him not been in the room. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we talked and, you know, we still talked and, you know, he came to see me at the end of the day and, you know, I always have snacks and treats for kids because I, I, I saw want the sign you, saw, you saw that sign. I saw the sign. <laughs> and I swear the only kids, the only reason the kids come to my office is because they want, they want, yeah. they want snacks and treats and stuff. And yeah. I keep, I keep oodles and noodles yeah. in, in, in the office. <laughs> Sam's Club, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, yeah, and yeah. chips and, and whatever, anything a kid wants so that whether they just need something, mm. they're not eating at home, mm. they need a little more. Yeah. Uh, or they don't like lunch. Yeah. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. You know, most in most cases, if you if you're doing right in school, I got something for you. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I, I just do that to make sure that they know that it's not just fire and brimstone with me. It's not just Mr. Cook about to come down and lay the law down because right. you was in, excuse me, class. I care about you as a person. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. so I keep the little miniature um, the deodorants and stuff and yeah. that kind of things and toiletries in there too, just in That's case. Dope. Yeah. Just in case, you know what I mean? Because you never know. You don't. Yeah. You really don't. So being th this year number one, mm -hmm. so how has, how have you found yourself navigating, let me ask this, have you had instances where teachers have come to you or even other administrators to ask for advice or counsel on how to navigate situations? Mm -hmm with our kids. Yes. And, you know, 
I, 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 I commend them. Yeah. Because to me, that shows growth or, or the, the, the potential for growth. Mm-hmm. That means that you understand and you see that there's something that they could be missing. Mm-hmm. They realize that, they, hey, I might be missing something. Might be a disconnect. Might be a disconnect. Let me help to figure this out. And so mm-hmm. um, uh, band director Copley came and he was trying to get me to help him. And, I, you know, we had a conversation about it. And I think he's, he's in a good place now to help some of the parents understand what the band program is at Copley. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a bad program. Okay. Copley's band program is awesome. Okay. One of my favorite teachers, a couple of my favorite teachers actually came, were in the band program. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's, they compete at the highest level that there is. They take two, a trip every two years um, to either Cali or to Florida. Okay. So, so a couple of times in New York. Um, and they train with other colleges and, you know, big time, you know, marching band directors. Um, it is the program of programs in this area. Wow. It is incredible. And so he was like, I don't think we are communicating the right way of what the time commitment is being in our band. And he said, and I want to be fair and I want to make sure that we're communicating this and I want to make sure that we're supporting all of our students, not just the legacies, mm. not just the ones who understand what this means, those who may not understand what it means, but when they do understand what it means, they'll buy into it more. Um, and we had a, a long conversation and we talked about it and I told them, you know, a couple of things and we communicated and um, I think they're in a good place, but I really commend them about that. Uh, on the flip side, you know, you know, you do get those calls sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes mm-hmm. when you got that black mama on the phone and she about ready to, you know, mm-hmm. she, 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 she getting in, in somebody's ear right now. She taking them there. And then Mr. Cook. Yeah. Okay. I'll take it. No yeah. problem. No problem. Or when they show up to school. Yeah. And they're like, I don't know what's going on over mm-hmm. there. You know, she's and she's upset mm-hmm. and they can't figure it out. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, you know, hey, let's just have that conversation and, and figure out what's going on. So you get that too. And I think it really just, it, it's just a, a, you know, the same situation. You know, we just, we just, you know, communicate in different ways. Folks from different backgrounds, you, yeah. know, the, you know, the communication isn't always the same. Um, you know, they might not speak this, the king's English, but don't don't think for a second that, you know, that that mama that comes through, yeah, just because she might not be using the king's English doesn't yeah. know what she's talking about. She right. knows exactly what she's talking right. about. <laughs> she knows exactly what yeah. she's talking about, and she knows what she needs to get done. Right. And you know, I, I try to you know ease that, build that bridge, smooth that bridge over, yeah. and, and make it you know the conversation as productive as possible. So talk about um, your experiences. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, both McKinley and East would be considered a little bit more, far more urban mm-hmm. far more. Than, than Copley. So touch on your experiences there <clears throat> and even from a perspective of um, building relationships between teachers, students of different backgrounds, what that looked like <coughs> um, in, in those positions. So the first thing that I want to communicate is the students at a McKinley, Camp McKinley High School or East, are just as awesome mm-hmm. and just as great as the kids at Copley. And that goes for any other school. Yeah. Um, they're talented, they're passionate, um, they're incredible athletes, they're incredible students. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they, they, they've got lots of talent. I'm and, gonna stop you there real quick. Mm-hmm. I appreciate your perspective regardless of where you are, that first, these students are people. Mm-hmm. And regardless of backgrounds, challenges, whatever, they're all great people. All of them. And I think we need more teachers to have that perspective. All of because them. a lot of what we hear and see is he's a bad kid. He's really a great person. He just has some challenges. Mm-hmm. He might be bad for real. But I, we, we know bad kids. We, we know a lot of bad kids. But they're still great people, and I think that's 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 dope of you. No, I I, I really enjoy you know. You know, McKinley East it's, it's a different feel, it's yeah. a different vibe. That there's no question about it. Um, I mean, the, the kids at East and you know, 
especially in our JROTC program over at East. Shout out to the JROTC program mm-hmm. over at East, Top Mac, um, who's the, the sergeant over their program. They got one of the top programs in the state or in the country. Mm-hmm. 10%, top 10%. Wow. They have an entire military um, competition at East every year. And East does every school that comes through there. Wow. Including the private ones. You know what I mean? You know, the, the kids, they are, they are just as capable. They just live in a different zip code. Mm. Your zip code should not determine the quality of education that you get. That's what I was kind of thinking this thought out as you were talking. Yeah. And I, I kind of know the answer. People even watching this will know the answer. But why do we not hear about, I never, I never knew that about East, about the ROTC. Why don't we hear about, so watch this. Uh, I think I'm allowed to say this. You know what happened with East last night? Yeah. Good. Okay, cool. So that literally made the news. So what happened with, what happened with East last night? Basketball game. Um, kids got in a fight. It was on the news almost immediately. Mm-hmm. Albeit it is minutes, news. Minutes. Man, minutes light, lightning fast. They posted the video today. I, they posted a video last night. Wow. My God. <laughs> it no, was, it was, I mean, it on the, I mean, on the news. I mean, yeah, the yeah, news. yeah. Um, you know, there's a, couple, there's a couple answers to this question. Shoot them all. One answer is, it's, and you know, I got to say it because when we talk about, we talk about politics. Mm-hmm. You talk about the left and the right, mm-hmm. right? The right always uses this excuse of what's happened, what's being shown in the media as, well, that's just the media, you know, taking something that's sensationalized, mm-hmm. you know, making it, you know, front new, front page news, and you know, they they sensationalize it, and you know, it's what they wanted because it's juicier than anything else. Yeah, that's partly true. Mm-hmm. We got to be honest to call a spade a spade. Right. That's partly true. Um, the other side of it is, I think. Other school districts might be a little bit better at accentuating the positives. Mm-hmm. You know, they hush down the stuff that kind of goes down that they don't want everybody to know about it. Like, oh, but hey, look at this. Yeah. And, you know, I wish more people would do that. You know, I always made it made it a point to, you know, on my social media page to put out there what my kids are doing yeah. at, at school. And I call them all my kids. Mm-hmm. Some of them get on my nerves, right? You know, point out what my kids are doing. You right. know, um, East has a, an entire uh, um, auto shop, Firestone Auto Shop, in mm-hmm. that building. Yeah, you could get an oil change, transmission flush, new brakes, tire rotation. They might have an alignment machine in there, and they you know, they do a great job in there. You know, mm-hmm. they have a full, they have a bank, actually like a school bank. I, that say, runs I, just, heard, bank. I just heard about the bank. Um, you know, they got, a, they got a lot of things going on there. McKinley. Listen, their um, their broadcasting program uh-huh. is awesome. Um, their band um, is pretty good there too. Yeah. Their choir is good. Yeah. They got one of the baddest speech and debate teams in the state. Every year they send kids to state at McKinley. Uh-huh. You know, and I think people just get caught up in certain narratives and they don't really see the positives. Both of those schools have a lot of positives. Yeah. Let alone, I mean, you know, the East has the baddest football team in the area. You know, shout out to, you know, uh, Marcus Hayes and, you know, Gabe Gonzalez, who I played ball with them in, in college. Yeah, no Gabe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they, got a, they got a cold team. And, you know, you know, they got a lot of very talented, you know, teachers, you know, there and the kids there. Um, one thing that I, I communicated, and I actually taught a, a, a beginning of school year lesson on this, and we're talking about restorative practices. Mm-hmm. Uh, you familiar? I've heard the word. Yeah. So restorative practices is basically a way to restore a relationship um, in a group or organization, mm. sometimes between people. And in the education world, some teachers kind of sort of feel like it's like a way to to go around or move around discipline. Um, and a lot, of teachers, a lot of teachers get hung up on discipline. And I actually had this conversation today, and I'm really struggling with that thought today. Um, and so we're talking about restorative practices and restoring relationships. And one of the slides that I had on there was Killmonger from Black Panther. Mm-hmm. 
and you know he's just standing there and he's in front of the sacred garden mm-hmm. in Wakanda after he you know threw T'Challa off you know the the waterfall and the whole garden is burning just that scene and you just see him standing there mm-hmm. and it's just like a really iconic image in a way and the caption that I put underneath it it was an African proverb and it said that the child who is not embraced by the village will burn it to feel its warmth. Wow. And you can't tell me that's not literally what that picture is. Uh-huh. And so what I was communicating to the teachers and you know a lot of teachers in that room were white. I'm like, listen, we have to bring those kids in, the ones that push and fight and are always angry. That is a symptom of a larger issue got to get to the larger issue mm-hmm. you can't get to the larger issue unless you know those kids it's harder to do in some ways and I really feel like a lot of times as an educator you know and I thought it would be a little bit easier at a Copley but it's not there's so much that goes on in the school so much that's not about teaching and learning and not about the kids that happens that we have to deal with that I wonder if I get to do that enough Mm-hmm. And that that's the challenge of being an educator. So how do you do that when you got 20 kids in a classroom? You just got a lot of incoming, man. It's just, you know, and they got it, the teachers got it, the administrators definitely have it, district office has it, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's just, it's, it's tough. You know, um, it just takes time. You know, I do it in the way of having things in my office the right. kid's going to want to come to the right. right. And then I can get a, a couple seconds with them. Hey, you could? How are things at home? How's your mom doing if I know the parents? Your brother doing all right? What do you got going on this weekend? Yeah. You, you've been coming to see me a couple times, you know, recently. Are you you okay? Everything all right? You eating enough? You know, you still working? You still, you know, doing whatever? Uh, I go to the sports events. You know, I... I quote unquote have to, but I want to. I got kids that are boxing and then they're boxing in a couple weeks, I'm gonna go up to see him box. Mm-hmm. I just try to be where they're where they are whenever I can. Even if it's at just at lunch. Yeah. Just to just to just to see, just be around them. Yeah. Just start sparking up a conversation. You know, I, I just do goofy stuff like, you know, kids playing um Uno in the lunchroom. I walk up behind one of them and look and see how many cars. I'm like, she got two blues, two greens, and a yellow. <laughs> and you know, the kid get upset, but it, it it's you know it Build it opens it opens yeah vacuum for conversation yeah. And I really push teachers to try to do that a little bit more. Yeah. You know. That's so important, especially for our kids. Mm-hmm. Build, building relationships is key. Uh, one of the things I I, I say is kids don't learn from people they can't trust. Right. And so I think what you're doing is phenomenal, even if something as small as Reese cups and oodles and noodles. You yeah. know what I'm saying? That's, they, they, they feel safe with you. How do you get teachers to understand relationships are key that are so focused on, like I think, I think you said it a minute ago, whatever the number is, percentage of teaching has nothing to do with teaching. Mm-hmm. It's relationships, it's uh, safety, it's mm-hmm. I value you as a person, not just you getting an A, B, or C on this test. It's difficult, it's hard. Um, you know, one of, the, one of the, the biggest tasks and the hardest tasks to get, because you know, some school districts there's, you know, there's like a, a duty period. Mm-hmm. And the teachers have certain duties, and nobody wants lunch duty, mm-hmm. right? Nobody wants lunch duty. And I understand in some schools, I'm like, man, I and <laughs> oh my god, man. Some places, I'm like, oh my god, I can't. yeah. It's it's lunch seven again, man. Okay, mm-hmm. but you know it, it's it's tough, but that is prime relationship building time. Yeah. And so when we get pushback on that, I communicate. This is a great opportunity for you to get to know your kids uh-huh. and get to know other kids. And that's usually the argument. Well, I don't have any of these kids, so what am I going to do? Talk to them. Yeah. Go talk to them. Go talk to a kid you don't know 
every day for a month and tell me you don't feel better about coming to school here, mm-hmm. coming to work here. Let's go talk to him. Some kid's going to be like, looking at you like you're weird, like, what do you want? You, know, you, you feel the vibe and you're like, okay, well, all right. You move on to the next one. You know, yeah. you, you, you spark up conversations, do whatever. You, you know, they're watching, you know, watch stuff on their phones and, you know, um, you start conversations that way and all of it's important because you don't, you, you want to build the relationship before you need it. Ooh. You don't want to build the relationship, try to build the relationship when something's happening. Yeah. When there's a crisis, you want to build it before you need it. That's good. So those kids, I mean, I, there's kids I don't even know that, you know, I, I just be out. Hey, Mr. Cook. I'm like, hey, what's going on? I don't, I don't even know who that kid is. Yeah. But, 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 you know, they know me. Yeah. Because Copley's small, so uh, I mean, it's actually not that small. It's about nine hundred kids. Well, no, no, not not, not the school population. Oh, I'm saying, like, I know where you stay. Yeah, you know, then in relation to the yeah. grocery store and to yeah. you know Montrose Fairline, right, all right, that kind right, of stuff. Right. You're 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 gonna bump into everybody. Yeah, and it's like you know, you know those, those relationships are important, and it, it doesn't take a whole lot to develop it. Yeah, just small things. You know, it's like you know, it's like you know, losing weight or you know. A, you know, it's like how you eat an elephant, mm. you know, one bite at a time, you know. How do you, how do you chop down a, a tree? Yeah. It's one one swing at a time, bro. Mm-hmm. It's going to take a minute, but yeah. it eventually will bear fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just try to, I try to, you know, encourage them. I'm like, so what if you don't know them? Go get to know them. Yeah. And, you know, I think some of the teachers have kind of sort of bought into that. And I will, I'll bring kids around those teachers and be like, come oh here, come here, let's go mess with, let's go mess with Miss So-and-so. Yeah, yeah. And they look at me like, and I'm like, yeah. let's talk to them, yeah. you know? And, Opportunity. You know, and, you know, eventually what, what I started to see happening is, you know, teachers standing on the outside of the lunchroom while kids are doing things, they're starting to migrate mm. inside and kids are starting to, hey, you know, so-and-so, yeah. you know, X, Y, Z, you know, and, it, and it's, it, 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 it makes that environment fun. It makes them want to come there. Yeah. That's the goal. That's 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 the key. People, people think it's like you know the the discipline and the you know the high standards. High standards is great. All that stuff's great. But if the kids don't want to be there, that's mm. when we got a problem. Yeah, yeah. Man, that's man. You you doing awesome work, man. You doing Appreciate awesome it. work. And so. Um, Man, we always in, man. This has been a great conversation, man. So I, I appreciate you coming on. Um, I learned a lot just sitting here that I didn't know from the construction to the your journey oh, and all that stuff and, you know, um, all of those kind of things to, you know, just how you think and how passionate you are about relationships. And that's one of the themes that man, every episode so far, relationships have been the key to mm. successful learning, successful teaching and all that, that kind of thing, man. So I thank you for coming on. Um, we always end with, for sure, man, we always end with, man, you know, look at the camera, leave us with one thing that you think, you know, might be helpful to a teacher, administrator that they can take with them. And, you know, whether it's a piece of advice, wisdom, counsel, strategy, whatever, you know, you want to do. And then tell the people where they can find you on social media, you know, if you want all that and where they can, you know. So um, really quick, I'm not going to take too much time. Quick story. Um, football team at Copley High School when I was I was a junior. Um, we had a guy come in from New York, and um, he moved to Copley. He's from Manhattan, mm-hmm. and uh, this is a case in point of how white teachers are able to impact students of other races. And so Kenny was black. All of our coaches were white, and it was the middle. He came like in the middle of. Uh, the season, and so he walked into school, and I mean, this is back in the '90s, right? So we Tim's, mm-hmm. Tim's, wet laced up, baggy jeans, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He, yeah. you know, he was, he was, he was, he was a New York cat, and he walked him through, and he kind of just, you know, he had like a little rhythm about him. He's walking and stuff, and you know, they held, they held a, a, a impromptu tryout because they was looking at him. They like, hey, we need that kid. Yeah. He's six, six five, two something, two fifty, two sixty, big, big dude. And so he decides to try out, and he came, you know, try out the first day. He had his Tim's on. He didn't, you know, he didn't have those sneakers or nothing, and yeah. you know, no cleats. And he would never say anything. He never spoke. Never talked a whole lot. And so they kept working on him, and working on him, and talking to him, and inviting him over, you know, for to their rooms for lunch. 
and, you know, picking them up for practice and taking them home for practice. And then after games, you know, just, you know, taking them out, you know, to get something to eat or whatever. And he would, he would sit alone or stand alone um, at practices or, you know, at team events and things of that sort. And we would just keep pulling them in. The coaches would keep pulling them in and pulling them in. And the dude that wouldn't talk became an integral part of this team. And Kenny had always been to, always lived in, you know, urban, you went to urban schools. And these, these white men, you know, uh, big shout out to coach, you know, Dan Borman, Rob Brown, coach Schmelzer, uh, Ray Copley, um, Ed Robinson, may he rest in peace. Uh, you know, coach Kuth and all these guys, they just kept just loving on them. And we had what's called a senior's last hit. And the last hit is basically you hit a bag and you say a couple things about yourself and, you know, it's kind of sort of like a send-off for seniors. And remember what I said about we cry different. I've never seen him so, Kenny, so emotional. But it was just all this love pouring out of him that he was receiving from these white men who didn't know him, had no reason to support him in the way that they did. And to this day, when I talk to him or when I see him, you know, he's just, he always talks about that experience. Oh. And so my, my, my message is, regardless of where a kid may come from, you can still impact them. It just takes a relationship. It just takes relationship building. It just takes a little bit of time. You know, it's, it's like, you know, in uh, Chaucing Redemption, it just said time and pressure. That's how you tear down a wall, oh. just time and pressure. Um, but you can find me at um, willycook246 at msn.com. That's W-I-L-L-I-E-C-O-O-K-246 at msn.com. That's my direct email. Um, Copley High School, you can look on the website and find me there. Uh, thank you for having me. Nah, I man, appreciate it. Thank you it. for coming, man. Absolutely. Yes, sir. All right, another episode of Dear White Teacher. See you next time. Brandon R. Scarborough. Peace.